1: Well, it seems like hotel rooms are becoming a very popular destination for recording podcasts this year with Full Throttle. It was James Whittam and I at Imola, Julian Ryder and I last time out at Portimao for World Superbikes, and here I am with Shaky Burn for the Shaky Show after Assen British Superbikes. Great evening, isn't it, Shaky? We're on the sixth floor of the hotel. We're looking out across Groningham, and it's been a good weekend.
0: It's been a fantastic weekend, hasn't it? Yeah, here we are.
1: Yeah, thanks for inviting me to your room, by the way. Quite tidy, actually. As a look around, he's, uh, he's got sort of two twin beds. It's the standard hotel room. He's not broken into his mini bar, I see. That's that's good. Yeah, I'm not going to tell everyone about the spa bath I've got and what else have I got in here. Four-poster bed, but um, no, it's all good. It's all good. Right, where should we start? I guess we've got to start with Scott Redding haven't we? What is he doing differently to everyone else? Because he did very much control the two races. Two different races, but he was just controlling that second race today, wasn't he? Had a few obstacles to get round, but sublime double win for Scott Redding.
0: Yeah, absolutely fantastic. And without sounding like I'm kind of blowing my own trumpet, it's exactly what I predicted from from Alton Park. I said that Scott's come to the British Superbike Championship, and he's put up with the the quirky circuits, he's put up with the quirky conditions, he's put up with you know the the tracks not being the same kind of style as the as the GP circuits that he's used to racing on. He's took wins when he can take wins when he feels good, and you know when when there's been tracks or, or places where things have been a bit iffy, he's took a podium. He's done exactly the job he needed to do through this first part of the season. Through this first part of the season, what I mean is the first nine rounds, and, yeah. and that put him in a good place and got him into the showdown six. You know, I predicted that uh, when we got to the showdown, I think we'd see the, the real Scott Redding, we'd see his real level, and we'd see where he is and we'd see how much he wanted to win the British Superbike Championship. I don't think it's unfair to to say. <clears throat> this time last year, you know, when, when he was looking like he wouldn't be staying in MotoGP or whatever, I remember reading an article saying I'd never go back to BSB. That's too far of a step back. But do you know what? He's done it. He's embraced it. He's absolutely excelled. And he's redeveloped a a love for racing motorbikes again which i can really sort of relate really, relate, to. Really relate to yeah. yeah i had a i had a couple of seasons myself um, when things weren't going my way and i seriously thought about stopping racing you know like just wasn't enjoying racing and let's not make any mistakes here you know racing a motorbike isn't like playing chess you know when you, when you fall down, when things go wrong, it hurts. And no matter what people think, it hurts us just as much as it hurt you or, or, hurt, or hurt our listeners, you know? Yeah. you know. If you want an idea of what it feels like to, to, to crash a motorbike, you know, stick a leather suit a and a crash on it drive down the motorway at 70, 80 miles an hour and just jump out the door. Try and jump off the roof maybe because you might be getting like a high side then and it'll give you the kind of yeah. the kind of feelings that, that we have to put up with. So when racing's not going good, it's not a fun place to be. He's said a few times just lately how much he's rediscovered his love for racing and his love for riding motorbikes. Just because he did come back here, he's kind of kick-started his career. Yeah, we all know what his future's going to be. For me, it'd be great if he could sign off you know, this year's BSB championship as BSP champion.
1: So what's he doing differently, Shane, to, let's just say, to Bridewell and Brooks, who are obviously on similar, if not identical, V4 Panigale Ducatis. What is Scott Reading, riding-wise, actually doing differently to gain the time and gain the confidence and gain everything else to cement two pretty controlled double wins here? I think that Scott
0: come out the blocks knowing where he was going for a start. You know, when you put put things into perspective, Scott's probably the most, expe- the most experienced rider in BSB at this circuit. Because we've been coming here since 2011, is it? So eight years, but Scott Mm -hmm. done 12 years in GPs. So he's probably yeah. got more track knowledge here than, than anybody. Obviously, he's been really fast around here before in MotoGP. Although he was almost as flipping fast on his BSB bike because he wasn't his MotoGP bike, and actually joked about the fact that if you put carbon brakes in it and some perhaps some Michelin slicks or whatever it is they use in GPs, then he'd probably go faster on his on his BSB spec bike than he would on a MotoGP bike, which is quite frightening.
1: With no electronics or anything.
0: Yeah, that's what he, that's what he reckons. He's uh, really enjoys riding the Ducati, and it shows. You know, like there was a there was an air of confidence about Scott all this weekend. Every single session he was half a second or so quicker than everybody else. The bike was just making shapes underneath him and mm. it just looked so controlled, so much fun. He looked like, he looked like a kid <laughs> that had got a new toy that had taken it out and was proud to play on it. But I don't want to turn this uh, this shaky show into the Reading show, you know. We had Scott as a guest, obviously, on our, on our last time when we done this together at Cabot Park. You know, the, the circuit organisers here at Assen, they um, they absolutely love BSB. They embrace mm. it, you know. They look forward to us coming as much as we look forward to, to coming here ourselves, you know, and we've had some some years here where, you know, the weather's been, you know, particularly crawl if you like and you know this weekend we just got the most perfect weekend for racing motorbikes i think you'll possibly ask for
1: Actually, I'm just thinking now. I think it was the first race, wasn't it? Because Reading got the start perfectly, didn't he, with the safety car. I remember he bolted quite early and left the rest for dead behind him. Let's talk about Josh Brooks very quickly. Second in the first race, and he said it felt like a win with Reading on the sort of form he's on. And I was a bit surprised this afternoon. He was fourth, so it's still decent points. It's what, 13 points, isn't it, now that he's behind Reading? 14 points, as so I just check the sheets here. But yeah, he dropped behind Bridewell and Buchan and seemed a bit downcast at the end of the day when I know some interviews were taking place. But I suppose you would, because Josh. Brooks could have had another second today
0: yeah I'm I'm actually uh I actually just got a little bit of stick on Twitter from from obviously a Josh Brooks fan who says pop calling kettle black and whatever else when Shaky didn't do very well all he done was blamed his bike tires whatever else and you know nobody's blaming Josh for anything right that the facts are the wrong Josh Brooks turned up at Aston on Friday you know his crew chief said to me you know we can't turn up on a Friday and and ride like it's a Thursday you know you you Scott turned up Friday morning straight out of blocks went really fast you know Josh obviously came off the back of a crash from from Alton Park in race two and you know rode exactly the same bike with exactly the same settings in that he'd had at Alton Park and just didn't look comfortable all weekend but you know credit to Josh Brooks he turned the weekend around he done a you know he looked so uncomfortable on the bike at times I'd liken it to to his kind of form at Snetterton you know where he looked like he was kind of riding on riding mm. on marbles on more than one occasion this this year he said that it feels like if he pushes like a, a temp harder he's going to go down on the thing and that's a horrible situation to find yourself mm-hmm. in because when you're when you're not going as fast as you need to and feeling like giving one more percent will you know put you on the floor, it's yeah. hard to find the bit to, to break through
1: that feeling, you know. On a similar note, Shane, sorry to cut in, but what do you reckon about the riding of the bikes at the moment? Because Josh has had a bit of a struggle as you just said. Tommy Bridewell crashed with a frontender in race one. And even Scott Redding said to Giovanni when he came into part Ferme earlier after race one, I've got nothing left on the front end, no feeling on the front end. And it's the same thing we've seen with Chas Davis and Batista all through the year so what is it is it the wings is it something on that bike or is Reading you know it didn't look as though he was struggling so why is he saying he's got nothing left on the front end
0: I think that uh, I think
1: as a rider you know
0: you're, you're you're never completely happy you'll be happy with the results but you always want more out of the you, know, you can't get better than you know two fastest laps or, or whatever yeah. two race wins whatever it is two lap records I know he didn't get that because Tommy got one of the fastest laps didn't he and uh, as obviously a pole for race two but I'm not sure he got the fastest lap in race two either but well, it, Scott, yeah. it, it's kind of it's kind of by the by you know sometimes when you strive and put everything you've got into something if you win a race by one second you want to win it by two yeah. and if you win it by two you want to win it by ten and you know <laughs> (laughs) if the sensation that you had was good enough for a race win it could have been better to to make it even more of a convincing win you know it's like it's like nothing's ever enough for us it's funny and i think that that's what that's what drives you to to become a champion you know whoever got anywhere sitting somewhere being content with you know doing their nine to five job or 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 whatever else you know Mm. if you if you take that kind of approach to things then then you'll
1: never go nowhere obviously we've had some good weekends and some bad weekends as always let's go to one of the bad weekends Taz McKenzie I mean he looked really emotional actually didn't he at the end of the day tearful almost and it just hasn't really happened has it the other side of the garage has been better Jason Halloran's had a good weekend back on the podium finally overcoming those shoulder injuries from earlier in the year and then a seventh but Taz first because obviously he's a showdown man seventh in race one and then this afternoon he was down in 13th place. They had a problem on Friday, didn't they? They had to sort of start the weekend from Saturday and it just has not worked out,
0: has it? No, and it's uh, it's really difficult. I know they had a new, uh, quite a few new parts for that bike this weekend, mm-hmm. you know, quite major, major parts as well and, you know, when uh, when you're as professional a team as, as McCam's Yamaha team are and you get new pieces, you know, nothing that you just bolt on that bike is going to give you half a second a lap because mm-hmm. the thing's so well developed, you know, they know the bike inside out. Yamaha, sort of mr one or whatever, it's, it's mm. relatively, it's, it's not a brand new bike, you know, they've got a lot of experience with it, and like I said, nothing that you just bolt in, it's, it's going to give you yeah. certain feelings, but it's going to cause certain compromises too, and I think that they've, uh, they fired the whole workshop, armoury at that bike, in terms of new parts this weekend, and, you know, struggled to, you know to put the whole thing together to, to, to build a complete package that he's been happy with
1: I'm obviously not technical like you are but is there an argument for saying that maybe just keep the bike the same at this point of the year and go with what you used to or can you not afford to do that have you got to bring in new parts
0: well if you've got new parts that are you know in essence deemed to be better and deemed yeah. to be better you know from from whatever point of view then obviously you need to throw everything in the kitchen sink at the showdown yeah. you know you've you've spent nine rounds of the championship trying to work as hard as possible to to be in the showdown which gives you the opportunity to then fight for the championship you know you're not about to kind of rest on your laurels now and think well that's great we got in the showdown we'll just go home now Mm. you know you want to you want to try and do the best job you possibly can and you know the the showdown I've said it a million times is absolutely fantastic for everybody other than everybody in the actual showdown you know be that teams be that mechanics be that tyre people be it that riders be that you know riders partners or whatever you know it's 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 a stressful situation to be in and obviously it's, it's Taz's first time at that situation Well
1: we've got five races to go two at Donington on the GP circuit three at Brands Hatch on the GP circuit and it's already taken a familiar shape isn't it really Reading 14 points ahead of Brooks Bridewell's 51 behind Shane already after only one showdown round Bucken's 55 behind the leader Taz is 68 behind and Peter Hickman 78 behind they're bigger gaps than I was expecting actually especially Bridewell being 51 behind after two races it's almost looking like a two horse race already yeah but
0: don't forget Tommy's just dropped 25 points in race one this morning yeah. and then dropped obviously another five points to Scott um, by finishing second to him in race yeah. two one person I want to give a bit of a shout out to actually there's two people I want to give a bit of a shout out to Jason O'Halloran is the first yeah. one I really like Jason as a person he was a, he was a teammate of mine when I rode for H M and Honda. he was on the stock bike and I always thought he was a really talented rider and, and with the right opportunity, could do you know could do something pretty flipping special. He dominated winter testing uh, and preseason testing this year, and looked like you know he was going to come out and smash Silverstone as well. And then the kind of wheels fell off the wagon a little bit. And he puts a lot of effort in Jason, and he's actually got a really bad shoulder injury that he's hiding mm. and kind of keeping out of the limelight really well. I know that when this season finishes, he has to go for a big shoulder operation to have the winter to recover and, and whatever else. But the McCam jamaha team, I think have stood by him in a really nice way they've already given him a contract for next year you know there were times this year look at Snetterton for instance when he, he basically got himself in a, in a situation where he was so unhappy with the bike the way it was working that he didn't even want to ride the thing yeah. yet he's kind of turned it around carrying a shoulder injury around a track like this which is really physical and put it on the podium this morning what uh, is afternoon
1: yeah. so I mean yeah. Snetterton actually just looking at that here he had a ninth and then he pulled in from the second race didn't yeah. it? Well, he well he ran off the track two or three times didn't yeah. he and crashed in exactly the same way and just yeah his head rolled off I Believe today, by I Anyway, it's his first podium of the entire season, and this is a guy we were saying was surely going to be in the showdown. Yeah. First podium of the year, mate. That that guy on that bike
0: looked like a match made in heaven yeah. through winter testing. Yeah. Um, you know, I was so pleased for the for the McCams team because you know they took a bit of a maybe a bit of a punt because Jason had been in the Honda team for a long time and he'd had like sort of three or four seasons on a super bike but on exactly the same bike. And I think he needed that change of machinery to you know to find out where he was at. And uh, it looked like it was all going to go the right way, but. Hopefully, Jason will build on that. You know, the Yamaha should work work at Donington Park definitely goes well at brands. You know, we've seen Tasby real fast at brands, haven't we, mm, on the GP yeah. circuit, especially? So, uh, yeah, great job. Great job by McCams and, and by Jason. Also, Luke Stapleford. I think he's just had like the, the BSB round of his of his <laughs> life, hasn't he? I mean, it's quite Where's that
1: like... come from then? <laughs>
0: Well, if you if you were being horrible, you'd say it had come from the fact that you know it's almost kind of contract time and, and whatever else. But <laughs> if you were being uh, if you were being reasonable, you'd say that you know what Luke spent uh, a couple of years in in World Supersport. You know, knows the Assen circuit really well. Obviously, was absolutely dominant in British Supersport a few years ago. Um, ran his own team in uh, in World Supersport on the triumphs, done a good job there too. Yeah, he actually um, had a
1: poll in uh, Qatar, had a poll on a triumph in World Super Bowl. See, now you haven't even got any bits of paper in front of you, so how on earth do you remember that? just my sad life it just stuck in my mind i just remember having a pole i thought it was here but it was Qatar. you are the original bookworm aren't you <laughs> it's like you know i'd understand if you'd done that
0: yourself right but to remember that a right how many riders we had this conversation on the way up from um, amsterdam the other yeah. day didn't we yeah how many riders you actually have to commentate on over the course of a bsb season right yeah. so so many riders yeah. yeah you put a stat like that out <laughs> of your head
1: i, I think you I probably to that one is i think it's the the only triumph pole in world supersport so it's stuck in my mind okay. i think it is but yeah, anyway, it was 2016. Well,
0: anyway, he's, yeah. had a, he's had a, an <laughs> absolutely amazing round this year. The Hawk team have had, a, have had a, a pretty difficult season, full stop. You know, obviously they kind of kept some continuity. You know, Bradley Ray stayed there. You know, he had a great year with them there last year. Then they moved uh, Luke Staple for come across and and jumped onto the superbike with them. And I think it's pretty fair to say, you know, he's a little guy. Um, yeah. He's a he's a tiny little guy. And he you was know, a bit like Richard Cooper jumping on a superbike. You know, the stockers and things like that and super sport bikes all fit them little guys really really well but you put them on a super bike no traction control no wheelie control no nothing a track that that you'd have to argue would suit luke's style the best of of any any of the circuits that you know that we get to do in bsb he's uh he's come out all guns blazing and had an absolutely fantastic weekend it
1: is great to see the Suzuki's back up there, isn't it? Brad Ray had a really good Alton Park, decent Aston, but particularly good Alton Park with his second places in the races there, two of them, and then, what was it, a fifth in the other one. And then Stapleford here, so it seems like the Hawk Racing team and Ray and Stapleford as a, as a team are making some progress now. I don't know whether it is just contract time or whether it is just the end of the year, Maybe it's the different circuits, I don't know.
0: Do you want to know what's really frustrating? It's like suddenly a team have like a a little bit of luck and uh, things go their way for once and uh, the first thing that happens to them is they get stripped. So uh, I'm sure it's, uh, I'm fairly sure it's Luke Stapleford's bike that that got stripped for, for technical analysis. You know, it's like, it's like give no credit whatsoever to the rider. He must be cheating because obviously he's gone and got this result that he's not had all season. But, you know, sometimes you just wake up and, and things click and this weekend is clicked. The, the important thing now for Luke, I think, is to, is to try and carry that momentum into, um, into Donington Park and to see if he can get that, that Suzuki back up there again.
1: Yeah, and Coops. obviously you mentioned him as well. He scored some points, 13th in race one for Richard Cooper, the pint-sized Richard Cooper, he Jack Bernicke two, always says. He? he had a yeah. jump start in race two and then done yeah. a done a few more laps and then pulled in, so I'm not sure what the problem was there. But um... Talking of pulling in, by the way, or not even getting out into the race, Ryan Vickers, I really feel for Ryan, actually, in Lee Hardy's team, the RAF regular and reserves Kawasaki team. Obviously, didn't get out in race two because of the crash in race one. It was looking good as well until that. Ryan Vickers
0: really impressed me this weekend yeah. um you know there, I said there were a few people I wanted to give a shout out to I actually um spoke to Ryan Friday and Friday morning actually when I was on my way to the airport to fly out here and um, he sent me a couple of texts saying could he could he just have a quick chat and, and talk through some um uh, you know some of the, the sort of secrets of this place if you like and mm. um yeah I like to I like to try and help some of the young guys out especially the ones that look like I got a lot of talent you know I can't at the moment live my career if you like but can kind of share my my knowledge and, and sort of put like an older head on some younger shoulders if you like and, and I quite enjoy doing that so I said yeah yeah no problem we can have a chat and I had a bit of a chat with him on Friday and then I spoke to him on Saturday and you know just sort of spoke to each other a couple of times over the weekend about you know how he's feeling and one of the things that I liked about him actually was that after the first practice at um, Friday morning I texted him back you know how did you go on what are you thinking blah 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 and he said i got a new favourite circuit um, Oh really? and I'll tell you what, it, I'll tell you what it reminded me of. It reminded me of when, um, when we went to Knockhill earlier this season and Scott Redding, I said I wasn't going to make this a Scott Redding show, but um, Scott Redding turned up there excited to go to Scotland, yeah. um, excited to go and try a new track, whereas everyone else was oh... Yeah, you got to make the trip north of the border. You know, it's going to be dodgy conditions, blah, blah, blah. But he just kind of thrived in the whole thing, yeah. didn't he? And and got up there and really enjoyed himself and, and had two strong results from it. And, you know, for Ryan, a, a rookie this year in, in BSB, to kind of rock up at a track, do one practice session, say, I think I found my new favourite track... You know, it, it just shows that a positive mental attitude is uh, is definitely the way forward.
1: And let's not forget as well, like Taz McKenzie, he had a big crash at Brands Hatch earlier on this year, Ryan Vickers. He had bleeding on the brain, they said. Afterwards, they confirmed it. I mean, we were really quite worried about him, weren't we, at the time? And that from that point of view, an amazing recovery. Yeah, clear ways it was, wasn't it? Yeah. He um, he went
0: in there a little bit hot, just a little bit wide. I mean, you approach yeah. at somewhere around 140 miles an hour. Um It's a third gear corner when you're coming off the GP circuit. You brake just after the bridge and you get on the brake really, hard and you've got to bury the front of the bike in but you have to be really careful because when you tip the bike in on the side of the tire with the brake on just as you get towards the apex the track drops really steeply Mm. so you like go into this kind of negative kind of cambered corner that's dropping away from you and you're trying to keep the front tire in contact with the ground. And unfortunately for Ryan he was just a tiny bit wide when he tipped in, braked a little bit too late and, and lost the front and you know, there's there's next to no runoff there and he went straight into the uh, straight into the air fence and it actually yeah. looked really bad but luckily well, a bleed on the brain's not ideal, but Luckily, he's uh, he's turned himself around and, and, you know, back out there and doing a good job.
1: Let's quickly just run through the showdown guys, though. Give them a sort of ranking for the weekend. So if you had to give Scott Redding a sort of mark out of 10, it's been a pretty decent weekend for him, hasn't it? Nine, 10 out of 10, do you reckon? It's
0: definitely a 10 out of 10, wasn't it? And it's really difficult, you know. People think that you're you're kind of jumping on a bandwagon or, or whatever or, you know, you're just saying it because of whatever, but hats off to the guy. You know, he has my utmost level of respect, if you know what I mean, because I know how difficult it was is to win at these tracks and, and I've kind of grown up on them you know he's come here for the first time with guys that have been doing this for a long time doing just doing a better job than, than basically everybody else you know I quite often get asked well what about you know what about you've had this this checkup? you know if everything goes well what about you making a comeback how do you feel do you still think you'd be competitive yeah. and the only way I can answer that is other than Scott Reddin, tell me who I haven't beaten week in week out for the last sort of seven or eight years I've not finished lower in this championship than second place since and. Eleven or whatever it was so do I think I could come back and win well I I have to believe I could because there's nobody
1: here that I haven't beaten actually people forget as well don't they that Hill Hopkins race when they were over the line separated by the tiny gap it was you actually won that race didn't you but you weren't really seen on the telly because we were watching the fight for second but even then you were still there winning
0: yeah i I did the triple that weekend and you know this this isn't about me we don't need to talk about what i did or didn't do it's just it's just interesting to to hear people's thoughts you know like if you've spent the last sort of about seven or eight years beating everyone week in week out do you think that you could go back and beat them again if you made a comeback well Hello. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean that's why I'm not going to make a comeback. No, it's like you know, <laughs> Give yeah, a uh, yeah. No, of course I, of course <laughs> I do. But I have to believe that, otherwise I wouldn't be the the person that I am now. You know.
1: Let's quickly just reel off these showdown guys. Uh, we've talked about Josh Brooks already. Tricky weekend good second in race one he'll be disappointed with fourth though
0: I think to talk about Josh Brooks yeah set the set his stall out on Friday yeah. on on the wrong foot struggled through Friday struggled through Saturday did yeah. enough to get a second row starting position on Saturday yeah. morning warm-up went okay I think he was you know second or third or whatever first race obviously a, a, a decent ish result not the result that he needed you know he needed to beat um he needed to beat his teammate obviously but a second place which was which was a good result um you know you could call it damage limitation and then you know that second race I think that he was kind of unlucky in a way to um, to end up in that fourth place and you know rode well enough to you know to to finish second and it could have been between Tommy Danny and Josh and even Luke Stapleford. to be fair you know either one of them could have come out second but as it turned out he ended up fourth so Josh is a professional Josh is a great guy his work ethic is second to none and he will keep working at it and I guess he'll be hoping for some sort of slightly dodgy conditions maybe at Donington Park and and maybe even Brands GP Branch DP will be will be really strong, but it just depends what Scott does between now and then.
1: You know, yeah. to see whether or not Josh got a, a chance at the championship. There were some great moves from I thought Brooks in particular, actually, in the early laps of that second race this afternoon when he cut through to the front early on. He was third at one moment, wasn't he? And then all of a sudden he was in the lead just a few seconds later. Uh, okay, so we talked about the two B Wiser guys. B Wiser, by the way, that won't be on those bikes next year, will it? We know that Paul Bird Motorsport have lost their title sponsor, so I guess they're looking for another one now. I wonder whether they might be able to speak with Quattrone or JG Speed for someone like that because they won't be on Kawasaki's wheel though I guess with that team leaving could that be an option
0: well I guess that depends on, on how factory the, the factory FS3 team is going to be because yeah. you know yeah. if, if the sponsors have an association with a manufacturer then you know potentially they could just move that from, from one team to another it was done before when it was mm. the original JG Speedfit team owned by Mark Smith Halverson yeah, um, when it changed over to you know Pete Extance's Bournemouth Kawasaki team you know they took the sponsor into yeah, that team so yeah, there's no reason to say that they couldn't take that into um into the FS3 thing. I'm Talking about Paul Bird, yes, the association with PBM has broken with P Wiser. Um, it was always a kind of three or four year deal, I think they had. Obviously, we had a we had a lot of success. I got back to back championships with them. It's looking highly likely that there'll be another championship for them this year, but all good things must come to an end, and, and that's one of them. I don't know what they're gonna do about a new sponsor yet, but I dare say that um, the MSV will be working very hard to uh, to ensure that, that something's put in place and Stuart Higgs as a, a one wonderful way of... <laughs> making making support turn up when he needs to so he's a very clever man there's a lot said about the fact that um, you know riders don't earn no prize money and stuff in this championship and to be fair that is poor why shouldn't a rider earn prize money but you know what a lot of the riders don't get is that actually the money that that does get put around and, and the money that's kind of distributed throughout the teams or whatever from from the organizers is what keeps the show on the road in the first place so mm, yeah. it's all well and good complaining about the fact you don't get prize money for finishing a race but you know probably there's a fairly high likelihood that you know if, if Stuart didn't do some of the manip- like manipulating if you like if that's the word the, the correct term to use to make sure that teams get sponsors and help them out with finding those sponsors and stuff the, the teams probably
1: won't be on the grid anyway Danny Buchans our other showdown contender let's talk about him for a sec because you've just mentioned f 3 factory team next year we reckon Lee Jackson's probably going to be on the second bike by the way so watch out for that how's his day been a sixth for him and then a third this afternoon mm, yeah I, I put something
0: out there that I thought would be a good idea and Nigel Snook come across as not being overly I don't know maybe you're right maybe maybe it will be Lee Jackson so Um, can
1: I predict because I genuinely don't know what Shaky's going to say here are you going to suggest it should be a Haslam or someone like that or a Jake Dixon or a Leon Camia on the other boat
0: well let's just bear in mind that it is the Factory Kawasaki team and the Factory Kawasaki team last year were were champions yeah. um, and they're gonna wanna be next year. I only put it out there because Lee Jackson has done a, a really nice job in that in that team yeah. on the superstock bike. Yeah. And for me he's shown a little bit of fire in his belly again that perhaps had been a little bit lacking at times. You know, he's a fast rider, he's more than capable of winning races in Superstock. Yeah. You know, more than he's won a race, I think, or he's got a lap record in, in British Superbike. Yeah. Yeah. So you know the the talent's not questionable, but you know perhaps the not even the fire in his belly, like the aggression, the the, the willingness to, to kind of put it on the line, if you like, mm. has, has perhaps been lacking a little bit in the past. Mm. But he's he's showing to be like quite a quite a cool little rider now in in superstock. And I just thought, you know what, they took Danny Bucken, who was a lad that had won in superstock, very dominant figure in superstock racing, hadn't had a BSP win, and they've turned him into a BSP yeah. winner. So my theory was, well, yeah. why not try that with Lee, Lee Bob Jackson? Yeah. That's not I, to think, say, I
1: think they're going to go with
0: them. That's not to say that that's what's going to happen, especially when you consider the fact that you know the likes of Jake have, have not done a very good job in in, in Moto 2 or whatever, or struggling to even get in the points. You know, maybe Jake Dixon will come back. Who knows? Maybe maybe Leon Camier will come back. Maybe some of the other World Superbike riders want to come back. But you'd like to think that if that were to happen, then yeah. uh, then Stewart would want to ensure that then guys were on the the best possible bikes, and the factory Kawasaki should be a good bike.
1: I think they'll do that too because with respect to Lee Jackson, obviously that'll be a cheaper way than let's just say bringing Leon Haslam back and then he's not going to demand as many things as he is a superstar rider in inverted commas. You know, if let's say Haslam comes in, he might want different suspension or whatever. And I guess also they can really then focus on Danny Buchan for the title, can't they? Yeah,
0: it's nice. Uh, it's nice to listen to Danny. Um, he was really happy with his riding in race two. He said to me, you know, when you have one of those races where you just give 100% and get away with everything and don't make a <laughs> single mistake, he said, I have done any more i'm really really happy i'm really proud of my race really enjoyed riding my motorbike and that is the nice side of motorbike racing i think he done a great job this weekend um looked really good on the bike as he always does you know he's got such a cool style almost makes it look effortless because he's so big and bandy you know yeah. he's got a lot of leverage or whatever yeah. on top of the bike but yeah he looked really cool on the bike this weekend and uh yeah great job by danny
1: Talked about Taz McKenzie before. Tommy Bridewell, we've also briefly mentioned him. Second in the second race, but he's going to be ruining that first race crash, isn't he? That's a lot of points lost there. Do you
0: know what? I don't know that he will. Really? Because
1: I think that
0: Tommy is renowned for kind of wearing his heart on his sleeve a little Mm. bit. But he's started thinking about things a little bit more and you can the the, the thinking thing can go one of two ways you can kind of sit there and you know over analyze everything and overcomplicate everything in your head or you know you can put yourself in a situation where simply nothing other than wins will do and now um, not that it was ideal and obviously nobody wants to fall down but he's put himself in a scenario where there's no point in thinking about anything the only thing he's got to do now is beat Scott Redding every weekend and if he doesn't do that he's not going to be champion it's as simple as that you know there's there's no painting a pretty picture out of this he is whatever points you said 50 51 51 points behind scott Redding, which is two whole race wins behind yeah that's going to be really difficult to get back over sort of five races but that said i went into brand's action 17 32 or 33 points behind leon aslam yeah and and came out champion so in some ways, Tommy's taken all of the complication out of the showdown. He <laughs> just yeah, has to win. Yeah. That's, that's it. A, that's,
1: that's and and that will probably suit Tommy down to the yeah. ground, you know. It probably will, actually. It? And like you said before, we don't know what the weather's going to do at Donington and Brands. Yeah, let's see. Uh, Hickey, he's the 6th so third-end We've not mentioned him yet, Peter Hickman. I believe he's staying with the Smiths team next year. You'd be surprised if he didn't. Two eighth places. I mean, not a, not a great weekend. 16 points total. I'm not going to say he's out of it, Shane. That wouldn't be the right thing to say, but it's looking a bit difficult. I'm a Pete Hickman fan. Yeah, I think exactly. he's a, a
0: fantastic rider. The way he mixes the roads and the and the TT and stuff like that in the northwest, all in one year. You know, he never, ever, ever has a weekend off. He's one of the hardest working guys in the, in the BSB grid. Great team behind him with the Smiths Racing Team. You know, they're a are no frills racing team. You know, they give the bike and the team absolutely everything mm. they need, and they're not fussed about having a massive hospitality unit or big egos or nothing like that. They simply go racing because they enjoy it and they want to do that job. They really. Enjoy enjoy the roads thing with Pete, fits into the team perfectly. They got a perfect little team built up around him. And it's a a brand new bike this year, that BMW S1000RR. You know, Ducati bought out a brand new V4R uh, race bike this year. But they held the thing back a year. You know, the V4 was actually launched last year. But they spent another year developing that as a as a factory to to make it a, a more potent race bike, and they've done a great job. Whereas you know the likes of Smiths, for instance, with with Peter and Tyco BMW 2, to you know to to an extent are, are developing the bike as they go. Yes, both bikes are brand new this year, but the Ducati already comes kind of as a, as a semi-built race bike that's almost kind of in the zone and ready yeah. to go. And, and Peter's still trying to, to understand this new bike. Whilst it is significantly better than the old one, there's... Obviously, things they need to improve. And Peter Hickman's a, a big guy, a strong guy that, that kind of muscles the bike around a lot. You know, Glenn Owens jumped on the on the Tyco bike and said about how different it was to the Kawasaki. Christian Iden saw an immediate improvement when he jumped off the the old BMW onto the new one. So yeah, Hickey's has got Hickey's probably got one of the toughest jobs out of all the showdown guys because they're again another team that fired a load of bits at the bike this weekend in, in you know in a in a hope that they'd uh, get themselves closer to the front. But as I said, you know you don't very often just bolt on. Half and a half a second onto a bike I was we'd all be buying that yeah. part
1: wouldn't we yeah well I mean Sean Muir's guys the World Superbike guys didn't get that bike till something like the 11th or the 17th of December and the BSB guys got it even later than that didn't they I mean they didn't even have the bike till January at the earliest
0: so if you think about it you know Tom's had a couple of podiums already in world superbike and he's got like a month or two's head start on the on the smiths and and the the Tyco teams obviously um bmw's kind of development of that bike is going to go to uh the world superbike teams first and then it'll filter its way down to to bsb so you'd like to think that you know there's there's big things to come for that bike it's just they got to suss it out and, and figure out how they need to make it work as a bsb bike with no electronics on
1: Right, Shaky, we've got to talk about you, obviously, because for those of you who don't know, I'm sure you do if you're listening to The Shaky Show, but just in case you don't, a couple of weeks ago on the 10th of uh, September, the Tuesday there, Shaky had his latest medical checkup. We all knew it was coming, Shaky. you have talked about it all through the podcast this year. How did it go? What did you have to do? Where was the checkup? How long were you there for? What did they say?
0: So I had to go back to um, to Norwich to to see my surgeon who, who'd done the operation for me. And the long and the short of it was that when I went back to the hospital in November, november last year which was six months post accident the problem i had was that if you imagine your spinal cord goes up through the middle of a, of a circle which is obviously your, your vertebrae your two top vertebrae those two top vertebrae are like uh, an armor shield around your spinal cord well i literally obliterated the two top vertebrae in my neck and pretty badly damaged the, the spinal cord itself the reason not not been doing anything if you like um and, and not been making any effort to train or whatever is because that circle was being like a C. A and um, when i went back in february to see the surgeon he told me that the difference between november and february's scans mm. would dictate just how much of a complete recovery i'd make but as i said you know this this spinal cord at the moment pops out the middle of this sea and obviously has no protection around it whatsoever so bang on the head and 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 that would be me done um that's the long and the short of it these past six months have been pretty good to me because um the sea has pretty much become a zero again and uh, the bones kind of growing together which is great but my, my analogy of the whole thing is like you know i've got i've got an iphone xs or whatever it's called without a case on it and i i dropped it on the floor the other day and it smashed the case uh, smashed the, the phone right the glass thing I've got to go and change it but if and I go, you actually
1: did drop your phone the other day yeah I
0: did yeah mm. it's not a problem it's got insurance but <laughs> okay, my, my, my point is <laughs> yeah. this that, that sort of semi brand new iPhone if I go and buy a phone cover now yeah. and put that phone cover on it mm. it doesn't fix right. the broken phone Yeah. right it just, it just stops it getting more broken so yeah. you know the way I see it is the fact that these bones are growing together and again now is great but the spinal cord is still damaged, so we still need more time. But it was positive. You know, I came away from there really happy. The doctor said, now everything's going to be a bit more stable. I can start to train again. So I think I've already been to the gym probably four or five times. First time absolutely wrote me off. And I mean, when I say it wrote me off, I didn't, you know, bear in mind I haven't been able to train for 18 months or something like that. I did a real light session in the gym and came away thinking, oh my God, what have I done? Didn't hardly sleep a wink that night because it just hurt me so bad. Um, And then the next day I was like a physical wreck, but I've Tried some some slightly different stuff in the gym for the next two or three sessions, and and kind of found a way to to ease my way back into it gently. I even went for a bicycle ride the other day as well, and that made me so happy because cycling is one of my one of my biggest hobbies and one of the things I did the most to, to try and keep fit for racing. But I don't want to sound snobby or, or arrogant, but I actually flew the helicopter up to um, oh, really? up to Norwich, I landed up there, and
1: landed yeah. on the roof of the hospital.
0: No, I didn't. They <laughs> have a helipad there, but you have to have special permission to get the <laughs> to get the helipad shut down and stuff like that. Um, I got picked up from there in a helicopter when I when I left hospital in, uh, in yeah. uh, 2018. But, you yeah. know, yeah, I, I just flew into Norwich Airport and um, then got a cab from the airport into the, into the hospital and, and flew back. So I didn't want to... I know this sounds really stupid, right? But flying a helicopter for me is so mentally demanding. It's like it's almost like racing a superbike, you know, because mm-hmm. you've got to be right on top of your game. You've got a million dials and gauges yeah. and air spaces and, and yeah. whatever else to, uh, you know, to deal with. And I didn't want to sit in a car for a off for three hours dwelling or dreading what was going to be Mm -hmm. the outcome of that of that hospital visit so I figured if I went up there in a helicopter I'd have to concentrate that hard I'd just switch off from the whole thing (laughs) and that that was my that was my yeah that was my theory and and it kind of worked because then I had to fly home and uh (laughs) not sort of dwell too much on on what come from the from the meeting but as it turned out yeah some bones growing together so it's positive but it's the spinal cord that's still the issue and and you look at things in in a slightly different way when you've got issues Mm -hmm. with uh with a Spinal cord. it doesn't take a genius to work out that yes i could jump back on a bike i could jump back on a bike tomorrow probably uh, i wouldn't be very fit for sure probably still be fast but in order to make myself really fast fast enough to win british superbike races i gotta to go to the limit and to go to the limit i've got a crash but if i crash the chances are the best possible outcome for me will be paralysis right this minute but then that's right this minute and it's sort of september or whatever it is the now and the season doesn't start until march or april so who knows
1: got to ask because people are going to be screaming at their phones and computers and wherever they're listening to this right now sat here as we record it's the 22nd of september 8 p.m 2019 in Groningham. do you still reckon there is a chance you're going to be back racing in bsp or any other championship
0: let's just say nobody slowed nobody slammed the door shut in right. my face. Yeah. And that's what you're gonna to have to do. In fact, you probably have to pretty much kill me to stop me wanting to get on a motorbike. <laughs> um, I genuinely, Duh. genuinely love riding motorbikes. Mm. And all I've ever dreamt to be in was a motorbike racer. I've been so, so lucky to, to live my dream for the last 20 odd years, and I fully appreciate that. I wasn't ready to stop racing. I'm not ready to stop racing. However, things need to improve significantly um, bodily-wise to take that risk and the only thing that's going to let that heal and the only thing that's going to make that work is is time so let's uh let's take a view i don't know next year they're talking about taking the metal out of my out of my back because Mm. now this this vertebrae grown together a little bit or starting to to grow together there's a good chance that it'll close up completely so there's there's no real need for the for the rods and the screws and the pins and the where were they? Um, Are
1: they sort of right at the top of the spinal uh, cord? There? they're
0: kind of in between my shoulder blades, if you like, down to sort of, not my lower back, but they go right the way down. Oh, really? um, so they'll take that out and do an MRI scan to see what they can see, you know, in terms of, is my nervous system going to start working properly? Is my spinal cord going to, you know, going to start sending the right signals out mm. again? And yeah, we'll, we'll go from there. Nobody slammed the door shut yet. I'm very, very happy that, that I finally get to make a, a small step forward in terms of being able to train and maybe even get a, get out on a road bike or something. Just to uh, you know, just to go and ride a motorbike again. I can't wait. I absolutely can't wait. I feel like a I feel like a little kid at Christmas. You know, I'm just really <laughs> looking forward to putting a bike in gear, letting the clutch out, and just going to yeah. ride a motorbike again. I feel like I've done absolutely everything as word perfect as I could mm. in terms of resting and, and, and recovery and doing the best I could. To, you know, to put myself in this situation. And like I say, whilst the spinal cord's still damaged and it's still causing me loads of problems, the bones are coming together. So they've said, go for a, go for a ride on your bike on the road, you know, go and enjoy yourself. So I'm really looking forward to that.
1: So you've not ridden a bike or a scooter or anything too weird like that apart from your bicycle since May the 17th, 2018? No. Really, heck okay. yeah. And I can't tell you how hard that is.
0: Don't 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 think for one minute that that's just because I've got the hump with bikes or, you know, I'm angry about what happened to me. Not at all. I'd jump back on a bike in a heartbeat. But if I got back on a bike before I went and saw that surgeon and had a little slip or something went wrong or, you know, I did something and he said to me, oh, if you just hadn't have done that, you know, yeah, it's not it worth, might have been, it, it's not been worth it. So yeah. if, if hand on heart, if this works, great. And if it doesn't, I couldn't have done any more to, to make it work, you know?
1: On the other hand, what's it been like being more at home with Petra and Zach and Lily? I mean, that must be the nice part, if that's the right word to use, of your situation.
0: Well, do you know what? It's, it's actually, I'm probably at home less now than I was before. Oh, really? Because before, mm. I only really had to concentrate on my on my racing. Yeah. And obviously with Eurosport, I still come along to, to do the races and I do the World Superbike mm. races. And I've got a few other little projects that I've got on the go at the moment to you know to keep me sane, if you like, whether racing does or doesn't happen. So I'm trying to put lots of things together so that whatever happens and whatever the outcome is of, of this accident, one way or the other, I've got I've got something to uh, to focus on going forward.
1: Two last things before we go: the book. What's the latest with the book? How's that going? The book's been submitted, um, so the publishers have the book now. Um,
0: they'll go through it. I've got to choose some photos to put in it. I couldn't actually submit the epilogue um, until after the so I just finished writing the epilogue because obviously I didn't know what the outcome of of the tenth was going to be and that's been the most difficult part of this journey you know like being at the the sort of will of somebody else so if I saw my surgeon and he said yeah crack on it would have been great but if I saw my surgeon and he said no don't because of this Mm. yeah it's not it's not even like it's my choice really um you know you'd be an idiot if your if your sort of spinal doctor told you look another bang on the head's going to kill you (laughs) why would you go and bang your head you know yeah Yeah, it's been it's been really hard mentally and physically because i like to try and keep myself in shape and i haven't been able to do that at all but now we can start some training so basically when i come to the new year if we're going to take the metal out and if things are making good progress i'll already have like a, a base level of fitness back so if i need to go down the racing route i'll be able to and if it still isn't working then and I can't go back racing. There's some some other quite exciting things in the in the pipeline at the moment that I'm really looking forward to too.
1: In the book, which is called Unshakable for anyone who doesn't know, coming out soon, is there anything we should expect that's gonna you know, other surprises? Is there anyone who might read it who's gonna be angry about something? You know, how honest have you actually been? Very. Really? Mm. Yeah. That well that's the way it should be, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, there'll be some of people but you know what I shouldn't really swear on our podcast but we can bleep we bleep
0: it out yeah we'll bleep it out um I've told the truth you know uh, at the end of the day racing a racing a motorbike for a living is uh it's a flipping difficult occupation I can <laughs> assure you you must have to be very 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 selfish you've got to be haven't you otherwise you're not going to get what you want I think you have to be very selfish but at the same time you have to play the game the book will be out next year you can read all about how to play that game <laughs> but yeah there will be some that will be upset too
1: I'm looking forward to it actually I really am looking forward to it I said there was two things the final thing is the talks obviously you got your talks going on with uh, Matt Roberts he has a great way of uh, it's, it's funny he has this
0: little glint in his eye and I can sometimes tell when something really <laughs> awkward's coming because I kind of sit on stage with him and look at him and he'll be like he'll just give me this little look and I just think oh no what's coming <laughs> next and uh, so is there
1: always something new there because I guess a lot of it's repeated for the different audiences but is there always something he surprises you well, with
0: well yeah there is and I think that's really important you know what i don't want to do um and what i'm desperate not to do actually is to it's just to tell the same story yeah. a million times because yeah. you know the the kind of longevity of doing something like that is, is is not very long at all you know you'll get away with it maybe i don't know two years on the bounce or yeah. whatever but you know third time round people are going to be like oh, that's the same stuff he said last time you know so i like opening up about Anything, you know, where the, the crowds get a chance to uh, to ask some questions. You know, Matt fires some questions at me, and you know, what I'm like for waffling on. You know, you can you can start a conversation with one question, and I'll talk for an hour if I have to, and and, and sort of veer off on all <laughs> sorts of
1: different subjects. So yeah, they're really good fun nights. We could talk really briefly about World Supers this weekend. We've got Magni Cor coming up, yeah. so uh, looking forward to that. Can they do anything about Jonathan Ray? He could mathematically wrap it up there. Um, oh, by the way, congratulations to Pereira and Che who are married on. Saturday, well, we were at Athens to so Jonathan Reyes, Crew Chief, Perribe, and Che are married. Congratulations, and I know all the team are out of that one in Spain. So, nice one, guys. I don't know if it's going to be wrapped up there, do you? I reckon Batista could take it on to Argentina.
0: Alvaro wouldn't have been to uh, Magni Corp before. No. That's the only thing that yeah. uh, that goes against him for there. And Jonathan's good there. He is very good there. My- Jonathan's good everywhere, isn't he, to be fair?
1: No, <laughs> Donington Park, who's going to win there? Donington Park, VSB, who's going to win there? Oh, good question. Reading did a double earlier in the year. He no, did, he did a he treble. Did a tri- yeah, on the national circuit, didn't he? I've got a thing about Josh Brooks. I think he's going to win one of them. But then again, would you be surprised if Scott Reading didn't come out as a double winner? I wouldn't be. No, I wouldn't be at all. I
0: think that um, Josh was very unlucky in Donington. He was going very well there and, yeah. um, crashed out. Big, spectacular yeah. eyesight out Massive. one of the races, coming on to Massive. start finish straight. But yeah, the boys have got to up their game if they want to be British champion because uh, if Scott's got the kind of form that he had there last time, and the ominous thing is actually that he actually saying, uh, do you know what? I'm really looking forward to going back to tracks for the second time. Look how much better I went to Alton Park when I went back there for the second time. I'm really looking forward to Donington Park because I felt good there before. But I have rode the bike a lot more now. We've made some improvements. I yeah. can't wait to go to Donington. <laughs> the, the rest of the boys must be thinking, oh, my God. Yeah what have we got to do to beat him but uh, you know that's what he needs that's how he needs them to feel he needs to go out there and smash it again and uh, yeah onwards and upwards
1: I'm going to predict I'll say Reading's going to win the first race and I reckon Josh Brooks will win the second one because he's going to be wanting it and he'll be needing it then and maybe Scott or just be sensible. But are you going to go Reading double? I think so. All right, we'll find out. It's actually got dark while we've been sat
0: here. We need to uh, end this show. I hope you all enjoy it and uh, make sure you give us plenty of feedback either to me at 67Shaky or at Greg Haynes TV. And yeah, this will be available from Wednesday, Greg, to download...
1: Yeah, it certainly will. Um, obviously, if you're listening to this, you've already downloaded it, I suppose. But yeah, Wednesday, it's always Wednesdays. iTunes, Spotify, Eurosport website and all other good podcast so suppliers. and do- so now on the head then, yeah, of course I would have known yeah. that, wouldn't I? <laughs> I will see you at uh, Magnicor on Friday. No, you won't. You'll see me at the restaurant in, <laughs> in about 20 minutes' no, right. time. <laughs> have a nice meal. Yeah, cheers.